Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Chris Sexton, and today I'm joined with my friend Kay Wu. Hi, I'm Kay Wu, and today I'm here with my friend Josh. Hi, I'm Josh, and today we are welcoming our guest and fellow friend, Andy Crawl. It's been a while since Andy's been on the podcast, so Andy, you're kind of a guest this week. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So for anyone who uh, does not remember, Andy, of course, is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the level of sass, honestly. He's a freelance CTO, a Rubyist, a conference organizer, author, speaker, a bootstrapper, and parent of twins, and occasional podcast panelist. Please welcome Andy Kral. Yay, me. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. Nice to be back. <laughs> Only six months since my last appearance. So uh, yeah, I'm doing really, really well on this. So it's awesome that you're back. Um, Gosh, you have been busy with so many things. But I think what we want to really talk about is some of your work around conference organization and how you balance that or not with (laughs) the other things in your life. Uh, Yeah, so I've run conferences for coming up on 10 years now. Um, I started before I had children uh, in Singapore. I I started uh, Red Dot RubyConf, which uh, was still going, last I heard. And since I've been back in the UK, I'm currently sort of neck deep in uh, talk proposals uh, for Brighton Ruby, which is in July this year. So I think we wanted to figure out how, or I guess sort of strategies on on what to do to kind of balance things like conference organizing with all of the the necessaries for um, parenting. (laughs) Um, So how do you handle that, especially when it gets down to crunch time on those things? So broadly speaking, I'm an idiot who doesn't know how to say no. (laughs) The other issue is that I sort of have a side hobby in conference speaking as well. So I spoke at RubyConf for the last couple of years, which is obviously a a week out of uh, parenting life, a, a very pleasant little sort of quasi holiday the way i do it for brighton ruby and i also i run a newsletter as well which i send out every two weeks with a little bit of ruby code in it called one ruby thing so the way i do it is i just try and parcel it out as much as i can i'm getting better at time off and in the conference times most of the year it's pretty stable like the systems i've got set up in terms of like selling tickets and doing marketing stuff and sort of organizing the logistics of getting people over and paying invoices and getting sponsors that's all pretty set up so it's not too bad you're entirely right in that the last week is absolutely dreadful but equally that would be it would be absolutely dreadful if i didn't have children as well one of the ways i solve it is i put myself in the speaker hotel for a night or two beforehand as well and that very much like I guess it it gives me an excuse to not worry about that stuff. And for that, I lean heavily on my other half, Joe, and she does a, the brilliant other parent job and the other parent is out of town type thing. So I, effectively, I am out of town, even though I'm like 20 minutes down the road on foot. You know, it's 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 a difficult time that, that last week because you get that sensation of 400 people heading directly for you, including from other countries and flights and hotels and the responsibility of organizing sort of a community focused thing. So yeah, I, I sort of, I managed to push down the panic for most of the year, but that last, that last <laughs> is always, uh, is always pretty exciting inverted commas. Yeah, I know. So I help organize Ruby for good and a couple of smaller things as well. And I take 100% advantage on the, my wife can help those times, whether it's the regular meetings going up to in advance, you know, we try to meet like once a week, the other organizers, it's just like, okay, I'm not going to be home this evening. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, during the conference as well, it's just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to be gone for almost a week 
<laughs> so uh, same thing. Luckily, uh, when we organize them, they're local to me. So it's I don't have to also travel. And I'll get flack from the kids like, oh, you're doing that. Like, really? You're, you're just going to abandon us? I'm like, yep, pretty much. So, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of swings around about my other half, uh, she works full time as well. They works from home. So most of the year we're sort of, we're always covering for one another. You know, she'll often yeah. travel to the States or, you know, she's up in London today, for example. And, you know, that feels like a big distance for us. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things you have to balance really. It's, it's, it does help that the conference does make a little bit of money. So it, it you know, it's worth it from a sort of, I do get paid at the end of it, which is, you know, great, not a huge amount of money. And, but there is some, you know, that that helps with the spousal point spending, basically. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a little bit of a foreign concept to me. I've, I'm yeah. just happy when the conferences don't uh, go into the red. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's that's the that's the idea. It's like I saw I run it at, uh, with the idea that it covers my time for that. Sure. Organizing it throughout the year, so like it's kind of like it helps me not go into the red. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that I do that uh, you don't, Chris, is that I don't have any co-organizers. So I'm able to keep it all in my head, which arguably isn't brilliant for my mental health, but um, is brilliant for communication. <laughs> yeah, the throughput there is very high. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, the bandwidth inside my own head most days is pretty high. So yeah, I don't have that extra communication challenge of lots of people with, you know, more opinions than my own. I do imagine at some point, though, you're enlisting volunteers or other helpers, and then all of a sudden the communication has it is an issue. Yeah, I have a little bit of that. So um, my friend Nadia, I think probably some of you have met, she's spoken at uh, Ruby and Rails comps in the US. She always does the, does the door for me with another friend from Brighton. But the venue that I choose is, it's a big venue in Brighton. We're really blessed to have it. Uh, so like, it's where bands and comedians and stuff play. So like the fact that I hire a room during the day is very much the simplest thing that they do. So they are fully on board with helping me out, like door staff, security. I have an event manager. Like it's pretty straightforward. I, you know, I'm even able to MC the thing myself. So, you know, it's write the theme song, sing the theme song. Having a venue is huge. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's like not, not academic. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a commercial venue and they're used to stuff like that. So they give me that level of support you often need on the day. Yeah. That, that definitely helps with the stress. Often we're trying to, finagle our way into universities or uh, other things and hiding behind the fact that we're working for charities. And so please give us a good deal, which is great uh, most of the time. Uh, but then, then, you know, based on how much we're, we're paying or not paying, they're like, well, yeah, but we're not going to do these other things. Or, or if you want them, it's going to cost you extra. And all of a sudden stress levels go up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you both give us a sense of how big the, um, the conferences that you're involved with are? And can you give us a sense of how big those are like in the, in the realm of conferences? I was talking to a friend about conferences and I mentioned that I think RailsConf is maybe 1,400 people now. And they were like, yeah. is that big? And I was like, uh, I think so, but I don't know. Feels pretty big when you're there. It does, um, yeah. Lo- looks pretty terrifying the way that Abby and the, and the Ruby Central team organize it for them. Looks terrifying for them. Like it all, always runs without a hitch as far as I can tell. But um, so I'm, I am about three to 400 the last two or three years, which is single track, uh, single location, single day. Um, so that's the other way that I reduce my terrifyingness is by having a very constrained event in terms of format. It's quite big. <laughs> RubyConf is what, 900? I think so, yeah. In the US, and that's and they run four tracks. Yeah. So somewhere between three and 400 in a single room in a single venue where the, the relaxing space is near the, um, the theater as well. I mean, 
that seems feasible and it doesn't feel that different like i've it's come up from like it was 150 the first year and then 200 and then 250 and then it's been between three and 400 ever since and that hasn't really felt that different in size it doesn't suddenly feel massive when it's 350 um i think anything beyond that is going to start just feeling doesn't have the same handmade community feel i think once it gets bigger than that it becomes its own thing it's like a it's a pretty decent size for like a regional conference thing most of them are like two to three hundred that's how that's certainly my understanding of the u.s stuff ruby for good is about 80 people but it's not a um it's not conference presenters speaking to rooms it's it's people getting together and working on projects uh so it has different logistical problems and i've also worked on a couple of different unconferences which turn out to be about the same, about 80 pe- 50 to 80 people. Um, and those require significantly less work. It's just like get a venue and then get everybody there uh, is the prep, mm-hmm. uh, w- which is fantastic. And that's, you know, there's uh, We Camp, which is run out of a national park uh, for a couple of days, and it's just rent the campsite. Uh, I volunteered and helped with that a little bit. And then we do one um, Ruby Retro Session, which is just a little local one that the kind of the local meetups in the DC area run. And that's just like, Hey, at the university, get a big room. And then everybody shows up. And so those, those are pretty straightforward. Ruby for good coordinating projects, team leads and finding, you know, the different charities that we're going to work on and, and getting all of that prepped winds up being a lot more work, probably similar to having to look through talk proposals and then figure out which speakers are showing and then have them reschedule at the last minute and all that sort of fun stuff. Okay, Chris, just a note. Now, you've now been promoted to a guest on this topic as well. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about your broader approach and how you think about something like conference organizing or in my head, I would categorize this as, as like a very large example, but but still under the category of like things related to my career and how I make a living, you know, outside of the like typical nine to five hours i sort of have planned to dedicate for work and you know money earning purposes and whatnot like any you know you'd, you'd mentioned that you'd started doing this before you had kids right so mm-hmm. was there a time at which you were like oh like maybe i should take a break from this or like where does this rank amongst trying to catch up on sleep and trying to stay physically healthy and other fun things that you might want to do in life. Like I've decided recently if I could have one superpower right now, my request would be to be able to fall asleep whenever I had the time. (laughs) Oh my God. Like immediately. (laughs) Avengers infinity war would not have occurred if someone had that superpower. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I can deal with it. If I wake up at three in the morning for no good reason, I just like want to go back to sleep by three Oh five and not four Oh five, you know? That's like what I want in life. So I would say, I don't know, really. Like I think if there was like work adjacent hobbies, mm-hmm. um, I probably put as much time into my RubyConf keynote as I did put into the organization of Brighton Ruby, just in terms of like times I've given it and like the prep for the talk initially, that sort of stuff. It was definitely a time of life choice for me. So like we moved back to the UK when Joe was pregnant. Uh, so we had the kids and then... It was that the kids would have been about a year and three months by the time of the first conference. But I'd moved back to my own country, but I didn't have any network in the country for work. And I was trying to freelance, get a job, whatever. And so the conference was a shortcut for me to do that. There was no UK Ruby conference at the time. And I thought, well, I've done one of these. I know we have a good conference venue in the town. Let me put this on and see if I can make it work. And like I said, like 
whenever I've given advice to people about organizing events, it's always been like plan for the 50 person version, like plan and then plan for the 100 person version and then plan for the 150 person version based on ticket sales and see how it goes. And then I've gradually built it out year over year. So like it's never been one big, right, now I'm going to run a 500 person conference. It's always been, I'm just going to do this thing. And I was freelancing at the time. So like I was more flexible with my schedule. Like I have recently gone, well, four days a week full time at my current gig. So I probably wouldn't start it now in mm-hmm. career terms. It has been super useful. Like I've met all sorts of fun people from conference world, both as a as an organizer and, and as a speaker. So it's been super useful for my, I guess, the thinking that I do about my job. Like it, it's more about that for me. It's the, it gives me an opportunity to spend some time doing the wider thinking about our community, about my own approach to programming and leading teams and all that sort of stuff. Like it, it's sort of an excuse for me to also put my view into the world because, you know, this guy needs another microphone. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, that's very much the way I, I've approached it. It's like, it's like, if you, if you look at the lineup of the speakers, like it's not hardcore Ruby talks, it's a real mixture. The lady who did the AV uh, recording for me this year, uh, who's not, not in, not in our world at all. She was just like, I, I understood like three quarters of your talks today. I was like, yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point. Like I sort of, I sneak people in under the pretense of it being a programming conference and then, you know, try and get a bit philosophical on them. So yeah, it's work adjacent hobby. I don't really think of it as work, but it has benefits to my career, I guess. It absolutely does. And I think work adjacent hobby is a good way to, to think about it. As far as like finding the time, this is one of those like where I get nervous just talking about it because I realize like just how privileged I am with the fact that I can have my wife take care of the kids for a week or I can find time to work on something like putting together a conference talk or, you know, even open source or other just hobbies where I'm tinkering with things. But part of me is just like, well, you know, I don't play video games. I don't watch a lot of TV or other things like that because I am trying to prioritize working on some of these things. I think that sounds a lot more noble than it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's stuff you want to do, right? That's the thing. Like, it's, yeah, like, I want to have you know organize my thoughts about a certain thing, like or you know, the, certainly the the RubyConf keynote is very very loosely a talk about programming. It's much more a talk about um, psychology and life and life events and all that sort of stuff. And like, I think the talk really helped me process some of that stuff. Um, and sort of like putting a story around your own life and your own thoughts about stuff is super helpful. I think conferences and talks are good for that. And they're, they're also a good marker for the year for lots of people. Like there's a lot of goodwill in the room when you put something like that on. People want to see these things succeed and they are genuinely, you know, people get out of the office and see other primates and that's, that's quite good for, yeah. for us human beings. <laughs> and I, I do think it, it comes down to the, um, for for most people, not everybody, but deciding that I want to spend my time doing a thing like putting together a conference or you know so, some other work adjacent hobby, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then taking and then you know working on that instead of you know the Saturday morning chill or re- relax, you know instead it's oh, I got to get up and work on this for a little while type of thing. So there's definitely ways to find time, and uh, sometimes it sucks. Like you you kind of have to set aside the things that you want to do or I'm just like, oh, I just need to sit down. You're like, ah, oh, damn it, but I'm not gonna because I have to do these <laughs> other things. Yeah, the way I think about a lot of these things is that, well, one thing I am I am glad and for myself is that prior to having kids, like 
I felt like I, I did try to be fairly aware of how much free time and resources I had available. And I would knowingly luxuriate in how much time I could waste for no reason <laughs> because no one needed oh, yeah. anything from me. Right. Like, and I would just, just be like, Oh, I did not get out of my pajamas this whole weekend. And like, Oh, stop, stop. And, well, and, stop. and I meant oh, to God. is the key. Right. <laughs> right. Like now it's like, Oh, maybe I didn't get out of my pajamas, but that's because I haven't had time to do laundry yet. And, uh, it was a forced choice. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so like, like in general, you know, I'm content with my life overall in, the, in that I think about things in terms of, you know, if I were to make a list of all of the things I would most are most important to me, and I would most like to put my energy and time, like sometimes it's not even time, it's just energy levels for me are just like kind of low with continuing disrupted sleep and whatnot. But you know, if the top two or three things on my list are like where the vast majority of my time and energy go to, like, that's pretty good. Like, I'm glad that it's like, at least in alignment with what I want. I feel like what I struggle with, though, still is like, these are just like coming to terms with the fact that I have to cut off this list at a much higher point than I did before. Otherwise, like there, you know, items four through 10 are also things I would really like to do, but I don't know. I feel like I'm continually no, mourning makes... like, the lack of ability to do them, you know? Yeah. And it makes total, like you have to prioritize. I do think that people tend to have more capacity than they think they do. Mm. Um, but also know that like these things ebb and flow, like especially when you're talking about being a parent with small kids, uh, it's a totally different story and a lot of things don't apply. Um, also, it feels like you're going to be there forever, and yes. you, but you won't. <laughs> like, yeah, some, some, every someday, year has yeah, got easier. Absolutely. And the time constraints become a lot different. Like um, now I'm running around to um, gymnastics meets and baseball games. I'm like, but half the time I run around to gymnastics meets and baseball games, I'm driving there and then I'm stuck waiting for a few hours. And I can work on things. Yeah. Yeah. Getting used to working from weird places is a, is a, it was a good freelancer skill that has turned into a good parenting skill. No, it, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that, that, that just like does not apply when you're talking about toddlers. Like oh, no. <laughs> they just, it doesn't work. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking it these days. It's a lot less of a liberty to do work adjacent hobbies than it was even like two years ago the conferences deliberately at school uh, in school times and it's one mm-hmm. day so even though i've offered childcare before at the conference i didn't get any take up because most people's kids they have a s- solution for a working day on a friday <laughs> right <laughs> so like it's not you know most people have even with even with toddlers like older toddlers certainly most people have have a solution for that yay school uh, so it, it, it's less of a it's certainly less of an ask for me these days i'm just getting better at not doing it as well and like constraining my time on that stuff which is, which is the challenge because it's one of those this sort of stuff like the newsletter as well is like it could expand to fill the time available to it um also, and it's, you know it's easy to drift into that sort of stuff as, as they've gotten older trying more and more to make sure to expose the kids to this is what this is what we're doing this is what i'm spending my time doing and um just having them be around and understand that 
yeah, you, I you know, even if it does annoy them, <laughs> like they're like, well, <laughs> I, would, I want you to play and you're doing this instead. I wanted to ask how involved like your, I mean, obviously your um, partners and your children are involved in terms of like, they're not spending time with you while you're doing all these things and preparing for them. But I mean, have your families ever come to the conferences? Do, do they see the videos? Like, how do you explain? I've, I've had kids, kids on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I had kids on stage, which is quite fun. Everyone thinks kids on stage are cute, particularly if you give them a microphone. They're often much funnier than anyone who's planned a talk to be funny is. But an interesting thing, so I just come back from a conference in the UK called The Business of Software, and the chap who runs that has got teenage kids, and they are very much involved in the volunteering section of the uh, yeah. of the day. <laughs> You're a volunteer. <laughs> the chores, yeah, hey, chores for the kids. You are, you are 13, man the reception desk, be nice to people. So yeah, like I can see a day if I'm still doing this in oh, five six, seven years. Uh, if I'm still doing that sort of thing, then yeah, absolutely get them involved. Why not? They're not allowed yeah. to go up chimneys anymore. So <laughs> put them to work somewhere else. And uh, Absolutely. We get them uh, involved. I've, I did a, a talk where I was, I was basically my daughter's assistant. I helped her out because, you know, she couldn't fly and, and drive herself to the conference. So that was my job. Uh, and then, you know, also just come and be exposed. You know, they'll show up in the morning when, when things are getting set up or come by for dinner. Um, they really like to come by for games nights and hang out with conference attendees and play board games, that sort of thing. So just letting them know and kind of like get that like osmosis of exposure and start to like internalize and say like, this is what you do. And I think this is a good, healthy, like, no, if you want to build your name and career and other things, you need to do stuff like this. There's, there are these other personal agenda things that go along with the more noble, like I'm, I'm running an event to help people out. So there's a lot of benefits, I think, to that. Also, daddy gets to have fun at work. Look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I would like to impart and, and do a little differently for my, my own parents. I mean, like, I do still think we want to have the look like reality is, you know, you, you do have to suck it up and do things you don't want to do because you can get other things you want that way. But also, like, work is not drudgery for 50 years necessarily there are options beyond that, you know, like thinking about my own history, I actually, when I first started tinkering around with website designs in high school, I realized now that at the time I dismissed trying to learn more about it or, or pursue it for money-making purposes because I had an implicit belief of, oh, this is fun and doesn't feel that hard. Therefore, this must not be something that I can get paid to do, you know? My whole career is a story of me trying to get to do the thing that I like doing and then get paid for it. <laughs> Hence, programming. <laughs> Look for my Twitch stream coming real soon. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> I would be curious a little bit more too. I, I, I like the thread of conversation earlier of naming out the things that you don't do. Because I, I think especially with social media, it's so easy to just like see all the like positive evidence of the things that are happening and it's like much harder to see behind the scenes of what were the trade-offs that different people made and if you don't put effort into it you end up sitting around thinking like oh how come everyone else seems to be able to encompass so much more than me that's a good point uh, like i, so, I imagine so chris and andy neither of you really get to enjoy the conferences that you're helping out at, right? I mean, and you don't, and you're not sitting in sessions, really, are you? Well, that's a single track, you see. The best thing I've read about this is Atomic Habits, which I'll, I'll get back to that. But like, um, yeah, I get to watch most of the talks. 
sometimes there are talks, you know, I will book talks that I've seen elsewhere. Like I'll have seen it at RubyConf or RailsConf and I'll have gone up to the person after the talk and gone, how do you fancy coming to Brian in July? And I won't necessarily watch those talks because I have seen them. Um, and that gives me a chance to run off and check stuff. But like broadly speaking, I'll watch most of the talks and I'll MC. I don't get to do the social stuff in between. And the best part of my conference day is the first beer in the bar after I've dismissed everybody when everyone's like being nice to me. That's good. Um, and then I like to, I, I book a karaoke room and I take some mates who are at the conference and we go and do karaoke, um, which is my big release. <laughs> and like, that's my getting to hang out with secretly the best track at any conference is the speaker track, particularly at single thread conferences, because you get, you get like a slightly special treatment. It didn't cost you any money to go. By speaker track, you mean being a speaker? Being a speaker, yeah, yeah, is is definitely the best, mm-hmm. the best, the best track because you're not. You also you only have to show up and do your thing. It's a bit stressful. Once you've done it a few times, it's still stressful, but like it's okay. <laughs> you're prepared for it. You're like you, you go. Well, that's an interesting spike of adrenaline. Not I am terrified, which is it's it's an entirely different framing of that thing. I have a theory that with practice, like your body eventually learns that you will not literally die after a result of this yeah. public speaking that you've done before <laughs> but it feels like that the first few times and just yeah, yeah absolutely you need the experience of not dying a few times over and then you know you can kind of manage it a little better it, it, it definitely gets easier after you've done it a few times <laughs> well that's that's the other joy of like being a conference organizer you get to help people do this like lots of my mm-hmm. speakers are first-time speakers like i get to you know, i've done some more or less coaching with various people but like you get to go look this is fun remember this is fun everyone here wants you to succeed and like, i'm basically their personal one-on-one cheerleader before they go out and in the day before and the, the speaker dinner and all that sort of stuff like i get real satisfaction from that stuff like that i hesitate to call it mentoring because it really is just like you're gonna be amazing Da-da-da-da. like um yeah so but the best thing that i've like I, i've seen about it is like atomic habits which is out fairly recently it's just about doing the same things over and over again. Like, because the only way I can do this stuff is by using formula. So like my conference broadly looks the same every year. The newsletter has a very strict format so that I can actually finish writing it. Like without the constraints, it's very easy with hobbies, obviously, to like let them expand. But mm-hmm. with these things that are sort of work adjacent, so you don't want them to take over your entire non-working life. Mm-hmm. But I try and like, by limiting my options, I sort of constrain the time they can take up, um, and by repeating them, like do, doing doing one event seems like madness. Like doing five is actually easier, <laughs> on average. He said, not making any sense when he said it out loud. It's that that's <laughs> that, makes, that makes a lot more sense in my head. Honestly. No, no, you mean okay. So just just to be clear, I mean, I totally makes sense. But just to restate it, what you're talking about, it it makes um to, to refine it, it makes more sense to to put on the conference five years in a row versus just doing a conference once. And yeah. losing all that expertise. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all about like the repetition means you can get the benefits of it. It's like, you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it again. Like, no one's forcing me to do this. I don't feel I have to do it, but I'd like doing it. So why not? <laughs> I do so feel I think- like like templates and systems are like a big key for kind of figuring out further capacity than than what you may have thought of at first like i mean even just a regular life example for a while i I like solved the problem of breakfast by having like a weekly frittata formula that i would put together and like make once a week and then that was like breakfast for the week taken care of you know and like there's a little bit of room within the formula to 
um, have some variation and and mix it up a little bit. But the, you know that like standardized the grocery list when it came to breakfast. It you know reduced a lot of the decisions that had to be made and just like having systems and boundaries in general are also like a thing I'm really obsessed with lately of putting things in the right boundaries and boxes and keeping them there. Absolutely. Like that's like key parenting thing, right? Like most parents who are broadly managing have that sheet, sheet of A4 on the fridge, which is like this semester, this term at school, like what's happening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, and we literally look at it and go, (laughs) okay, one of us is planning to be out there uh, is planning to be out with friends on like Wednesday, but you're in London. So how are we going to do that? Right. That's when we need babysitting. And like, literally we, like it needs to be visual, but like we plan out like the kids activities after school and we just like repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And like, yeah, it's about sy- systemizing, systemize everything so you can have fun yeah. without, without <laughs> thinking about it. Right. Like, <laughs> like it, it's, it's, it says just, right on the schedule. It's you're having fun now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Fun will now commence. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the innovations I was pretty proud of. I bought a magnetic small whiteboard to put on our fridge and it has a template for the week and uh, for lunch and dinner. Uh, I have like little markers next to it and, and that's our, our meal plan. Ooh. So there's like a list of like, here are all the leftovers we have in the fridge and my husband has allergies. So the things that he can't eat, uh, but I can like, I have a, I have my own color and then like throughout the week, if we have enough leftovers to be doing this for like, I will, I will write out like, okay, like your lunch today is going to be this item. My lunch is going to be this item. Like this is what we're having for dinner Tuesday. And like, you know, I'm like planning on making tacos on Thursday. So like, that's like penciled in for dinner on Thursday and like plan like, Oh, okay. This means we actually have to go grocery shopping on Wednesday or whatnot. And just like list it all out. Yeah. We need to get on this. We need to get on this in my house. Like this, the food is the one thing we are just a disaster at. (laughs) So we we could we never were able to successfully proactively plan it. Instead, we kind of you know signed up for one of the the uh, meal kit services where mm. they ship you all the ingredients and you mm-hmm. do some shout um, out those I like uh, and I'm very happy they work really well for our family. But it's also the thing shows up and now we have to use it. So there's a different kind of pressure. It's instead <laughs> of like what are oh, we gonna yeah. do? I have totally. no idea. I have to go shopping. It's like like, oh, no, we have to figure out what day we we have. A, we have 20 minutes to cook so we can sit down and have a family meal. Um, <laughs> so it's like story planning at work, right? You know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a lot of pressure. You got to ship this thing. That's like a three that's a three point three point dinner that we need to get out before the weekend. I mean, uh, we haven't done one since, but at least prior to the kiddo, like I always like doing those community supported agriculture mm-hmm. farm shares in the summer because I it's somewhat limited constraint. Like there's a, a time frame and you like I always did the ones where uh, you just get a box and then I'm sitting there being like, OK, like I have a tomato, like three cucumbers and a rutabaga. Like, what are we having for meals this week? <laughs> what am I going to do with an entire bushel of leeks? <laughs> like- yeah. We also do the meal plan thing, and it is exposed how dependent I am upon it because the meal plan company, which will go unnamed, we're open for sponsorships, call us. (laughs) (laughs) Parentdrivendevelopment.com. They sent like differing instructions and they sent like a a series of instructions for one set of meals and a series of bags of ingredients for a completely different set of meals. And I didn't realize it until I went to make, you know, I thought I was making meal A and I bring the bag out and the bag for the ingredients is not there. And I have three other choices that are not anywhere near the plan. So it's a lot like implementation on a software development project. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
And I realized how completely dependent I have like become on just following these instructions. And it was kind of fun to be like, oh, well, I've got these ingredients here. This plan is not going to happen. Let's let's just see what we can do. Uh, well, and we had the other added benefit with the kids being a little bit older. It's like, go pull out the card and prep it. Do all the all the chopping and, you know, combining and mixing. And then we'll, we'll later on, we'll come by and cook. And that is fantastic because one, you tell the, tell the 12 year old to go cook prep dinner. Like, oh, it's so much work. I don't like doing this. And we're like, yeah, me neither. Yeah, it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. But you want to eat, don't you? She's like, not this. I'm like, me neither. You got to make it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. I, I uh, look forward to the day we, we have sous chefs around. Prep, sous chefs are the best. Yeah. For, for a moment there, it was all like sunlit uplands of older children, and then and then you ruined it by putting a teenager in it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask uh, Chris and Andy, both of you, I mean, outside of starting your own conference, which, I mean, is probably totally doable to everyone but myself, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are some ways you would suggest our listeners that are interested in becoming more involved in conferences get involved do you think they should volunteer i mean attending seems like a good idea submitting talks what would you suggest so i would say the obvious choice would be to speak and that is because in as far as work adjacent hobbies go actually presenting comes with a lot of benefits of just it puts something out there with your name on it it you know helps validate it gives you something to point to when looking uh, to make career moves and also just is a different social dynamic when you're actually at the event in a way that, you know, somebody somebody like me who's very hesitant to just walk up to people and start talking, but wish I could interact with people at conferences. Like it kind of solves a lot of these problems. And all I had to do to do that was put together a talk, submit it and get it accepted. <laughs> So I, think I, would, that's- I would rank like I, I agree with a lot of those reasons. And I also enjoy doing talks at conferences. But I would rank that as like, in terms of investment needed, organizing the conference is like probably the most amount. And then preparing a talk is like maybe the next most time and energy consuming. Oh, it absolutely that, is. Right? Yeah. Like for me, especially for a new talk, I would estimate like, approximately like, you know, at least around 50 hours of work into it, possibly mm. more. Oof, you know? Wow, this would explain why none of my my, none of my proposals get accepted. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. proposals are different. Proposals versus talking is different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you're talking about like the, the, the entire talk to like when you from conception yeah, 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 to exactly. like, presentation. Having like gotcha. pro- proposals for me, I'm I'm I sort of think of as like okay, like I I just like have to convince the conference organizers and and speak talking committee that like I will be able to deliver this. You know, that's more of a case of persuasion, but then like the actual content creation and then like practicing it and refining it and thinking about it, like, I think it can add up to over 40 hours, like pretty easily. Mm. Easy. I'm broadly going to say I totally agree. Like volunteering is great and really valuable if if you're in a conference that needs volunteers from a purely selfish perspective. Yeah, I think this, like I said, I said before, the speaker track is the most fun track to be a speaker is just it's fun. And people want you to succeed. So, um, yeah, yeah. Why not? You just, uh, I, I guess, I'm trying, like you sort of, you do have to pay for that experience in a different oh, yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. A much more expensive way than, than you think. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. unless, you're, unless you're in a show off really, really is desperate for people to look at you. That's the other, you know, there's a psychological payoff. 
Hey, everyone, look at me. Look at me. Look, look at me. Listen to me. Look at me. Yeah, that's, yeah. but there's a part of me that does want that. Yeah. <laughs> Related to volunteering, though, I definitely would want to put in a plug for conferences that have those like conference guide programs. Mm. So for those who might be unfamiliar, um, RailsConf and RubyConf have done this for several years now, where you can apply to be a guide to someone who is newer to the community, um, as well as folks that they give out these opportunity scholarships for attending the, the conference at. And that's like a really nice way that doesn't require a ton of extra time outside of attending the conference itself, but is a great way to give back and meet people and kind of have like a, like a smaller group within the larger conference attendees to get to know and share knowledge with. Yeah. Those are great also for like getting outside of your own head of what you're looking to get from the conference and like putting yourself in perhaps in an earlier stage in your career and going, well, what talks would I go and see with three years ago, me see, or five years ago, me see like, that's a, a really good way to appreciate the conference from another angle. I think. Yeah, the last couple of times I've done that, the commitment usually ends up being like maybe a few emails exchanged back and forth, maybe a, a video chat if we're really on top of things before getting to the conference. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's we definitely have less than 100% success rate on that item. <laughs> um, and then the day before the conference starts, usually there is a reception that the conference organizers put on where you can meet your scholar and mingle with the others a little bit. And then throughout the, you know, let's say three days of the conference or so, usually I, I figure out a time to meet up with my scholar for either breakfast or lunch outside of the venue for some one-on-one -on -one time. Um, and then, you know, we'll just like drop by and, and chat briefly uh, in the hallway between tracks and check in on how their experience is going. If, if there's anyone uh, they'd be interested in getting introduced to or any other guidance that might be helpful there and just kind of being a friendly face in the crowd for someone who is a bit newer. The one other thing I would say, which is kind of conference adjacent, would be a good way to ease into a lot of this stuff is local meetups and either presenting at those or helping with those. And that, that really is just kind of, you know, a very miniature low overhead conference that happens every month. Yeah. So are we, we going to move on to Genius Fail Moments? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, for those uh, that aren't familiar, every episode we review some of our parenting genius moments and more often than not, some of our parenting failure moments. Traditionally, the guest goes first. Chris, Andy, our guests. <laughs> <laughs> do either of you have a genius or fail to share? I have a genius, I think. Uh, so we are currently deep in uh, various Lego movie rewatching times. Fantastic. Uh, Genius which, uh, already. Yeah, I, I mean, that's great, right? There was a particular moment in the, the end of the Lego Batman movie. Uh, be aware there are spoilers. If you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie, go away <laughs> just, and watch the Lego Batman movie this. now. <laughs> go and watch it. It's great. There's a, there's a moment at the end where Batman reveals to Robin, his surrogate son, that he is also Bruce Wayne, who is also uh, Robin's surrogate father. But he's about to be taken away into the Phantom Zone. And uh, it's, it's quite actually surprisingly affecting, uh, as all films with any sort of parenting thing now are to me. Um, <laughs> and I sat there and my, and, my, and my daughter looked over and she went, Daddy, this is making me feel very sad. Because if you were Batman and you had to go away, that would make us very sad. Aww. So I'm basically taking, my daughter thinks I'm Batman. It's basically, that's, that's what I'm taking away from that. 
But also, yeah, it's just like there's that moment where they just crossed the Rubicon into understanding sort of the emotional pull of, uh, of films. They, they, you know, they watched The Lion King a lot when they were kids, and I don't think they really got it about Mufasa. Again, spoilers. Um, <laughs> frankly, you, if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you haven't seen The Lion King, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but now, the last time they watched that, there was a stunned silence when Mufasa uh, doesn't necessarily get up from the uh, stampede. Um, so they're definitely beginning to get that thing and sort of like understand the empathy that you have with a film character. It's really, it's sort of fascinating and uh, it makes me cry like a baby. So that's good. <laughs> So I have one. Uh, it is a fail. My son came home from school uh, the other day and he says, I'm really hungry. And he said, why? He says, because I only had snacks for lunch. And we we're like, what? Well, my wife prepped uh, the lunch and my daughter gets on the bus earlier. And then, you know, she, wife went to work and it was just me and the boy. And I got him all packed up and sent him on the bus. His lunch was a hot lunch, and it was still in the microwave to be reheated and put into a little thermos. And I didn't do that. So instead, he just got, like, the granola bar and vegetables that, like, we were on the side. <laughs> Those were the <laughs> snacks for lunch. And sure enough, his pasta was still in the microwave when we got home. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, dinner sorted. That's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, hungry for a proper dinner. That you can't you can't buy that. I'll go. I have a genius moment, and it's 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 very sappy. Um, we were I don't know how we really got on the, on the subject. We were talking about places we used to live with my daughter over dinner one night, and talking about how we used to live in um, a small town uh, up south of a town in Wisconsin called Madison. And I was describing to my daughter, oh, we used to live by this little playground, and we'd go down the slide, and you would giggle. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know. I have a video clip. And I'm like, what? You have a video clip? She ran and got her phone. And I don't know when I had shared this clip with her, but I have a cell phone clip of us sliding down the slide at this little local playground. She's maybe like two and a half years old. And I'm like, we're starting to like slide, and we're just on the edge of going down the slide. And I'm like, you know, really hamming it up, saying, oh, no, we're about to go down the slide oh no and she's giggling up a storm and it's just a really sweet video and i quite love that video i was just so impressed that she had that on her phone and she's like oh i watch this all the time it really makes me happy to think about where we used to live and even though i don't really remember this it just makes me happy and i was like that's it's really really sweet and sentimental and it just just made me feel really nice knowledge you can be a force for good feeling this is true (laughs) that's so cute I have a fail to share, which is my husband was making dinner and I was hanging out with our toddler in his room and we have, he has like a bit of like a climbing structure in there with like a little slide off of it. And so far he like, you know, we, we kind of monitor him very closely when we first got it, but he seemed to like know his own limits pretty well. So I have now perhaps taken a slightly overly chill attitude towards it. And the other day he like, climbed up and it's like a triangle shaped item it's it's called a pickler triangle it's really cool looking if if anyone wants to look it up but anyway he, he climbed to the top and then he like tried to sit his butt on the very top of the triangle bit which you know there's no flat spot so he just fell over completely onto the other side and like knocked his like head against the wall and i was like way too far away to try to soften the fall at all or anything so like i i I rushed over but i guess the saving grace is he was kind of like oh well i guess i hit my head and like rolled over and then like went back up to climb it again (laughs) 
There you go. Yeah. The resilience of children's skulls. Isn't yeah. that a marvelous thing? Yeah. <laughs> I like I checked afterwards to like feel on my own head like where that is on a skull for where I thought he hit the wall. And I was like, that, that's like a pretty hard part of the, yeah, the head, fine. right? Yeah. That's Don't like do, it's all hard parts. That's what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> you heal, the wall won't heal. Yeah. <laughs> He's like pretty pretty bouncy at, at that size. Andy, do you want to tell everyone where they can find out more about your conference? Uh, you should go to brightonruby.com on the internet and then click the buy tickets button. <laughs> and then you'll find out more about the conference. <laughs> uh, and then, then worry cre- about the details later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a credit card handy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and Chris, where can people find out about the conference you're involved with? Uh, rubyforgood.org. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions you'd like to, us to answer on air, you can email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com, or you can find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, you can support us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. They both really help us out. Thanks much. Thanks much.